This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we kick off the new year with Infrastructure as a Service, featuring Mark Beaupre and John Fulbright. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi and Sully the Monster. Net app. Oh, yeah. I love NetApp because it's so funny. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the studio with Andrew Sullivan. We have to share a mic today. Hi, Andrew. Hello. This is this is going to be a little awkward. Is it is it awkward if I talk with you at the same time? Really, really close talking? A little, yeah. I feel a little uncomfortable. Let's just hope our beards don't get tangled up. Um, <laughs> so uh, today we're going to talk about infrastructure as a service, um, a new NetApp offering. And to do that, we brought in uh, Mark Bropre and John Fulbright to talk with us about that. So let's start off with Mark. Uh, Mark, what do you do here at NetApp? And if you could tell us about uh, you know yourself and where we can find you on social media. Sure. Um, hey guys, uh, it's uh, I I work in the cloud data services business unit here at NetApp as a public cloud architect, and you can find me on Twitter at Mark underscore Beaupre, and. Uh, and if you DM, and, and I'm open to DMs if people have questions and I want to post it online. So uh, thanks for having me. Yep, no problem. And John Fulbright, uh, what do you do here at NetApp? Yeah, I'm John Fulbright. I'm a, a technical architect within the Cloud Data Services BU. I work closely with Mark on building solutions like the one we're going to talk about today. And both of those guys have cloud in their title, so you know where we're going with this. Um, it's a new year, and my resolution was to get cloudier. What about you? I thought that cloud was being uh, decommissioned in favor of DevOps for everything. Aren't they the same thing? No. <laughs> you sure? You look you look like you're cloud DevOpsy. A DevOps cloud or a cloud DevOps? I don't know. We're getting off track here. So um, yeah. So obviously we're going to talk about the cloud here. Uh, infrastructure as a service is something that we're offering. So uh, who wants to tackle that one first? You just kind of go over at a high level what that is, Mark or John. As we all know, the public cloud has disrupted the heck out of the traditional IT industry. And what we have done at NetApp is looked at that, in, uh, at that disruption, and uh, we feel like we've come up with something that our customers want to be able to consume our, our value and our technology in that cloud-like way. You know, pay as you go, pay for what you use, um, ease of consumption, now, I didn't say ease of simplicity, but ease of consumption, which is, I think, a, a couple of different things. But but um, essentially, we want to make it so customers want to be able to take advantage of our, of our storage uh, technology or IP without having to, like, you know, as much as I love our sales guys um, and our channel people and all this stuff, but without having to talk to a salesperson, they can just go uh, to a cloud portal purchase what they need, run the workloads that they want. And that's, uh, and, 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 you know, you don't have to know a whole heck of a lot about storage administration to use the service. That's kind of where, where, where our approach was. So at Insight last year, Anthony Lai up on stage announced what I think we're referring to as NFS as a service for certain hyperscalers, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. That's correct. So we're, Currently um, in a, a preview with with Microsoft Azure with a handful of select customers 
to give us some really great feedback on our integration with the Azure portal. Um, and then we have on our roadmap a, a soon to follow on uh, uh, an AWS version of the service that um, we hosted out of the NetApp uh, cloud portal, and then uh, and then a, a Google service um, sometime after the AWS service. So this makes our third sort of hyperscaler or, or pseudo hyperscaler integrated offering, right? So we have. NetApp Private Storage, we have ONTAP Cloud, and then we have NFS as a service. So can you kind of explain right. the three offerings there and how each one of those is one differentiated and where and when you might use each one? Cloud ONTAP is directed at the guy who's familiar with NetApp, the storage admin. And really it's just uh, putting a NetApp filer in the cloud and they're right at home with all the tools they use, all the all their knowledge and skill set uh, can be put to use right away on cloud on top. Um, NPS or NetApp private storage is a uh, edge of cloud style offering where you put the storage in a colo and then you connect to one or more cloud providers uh, to that storage. Once again, it's targeted more at the storage admin. It does let you leverage the cloud for compute. It does let you use uh, essentially all of your normal NetApp tools. But again, it requires a, a very strong knowledge of NetApp um, and how to administer NetApp, how to use it, how to set it up, all of those things. Uh, it brings advantages of performance and scale over something a little bit smaller like uh, Cloud ONTAP. And when we built uh, uh, NFSAS, when we designed it, the design concept was to get rid of all that. The, the target user is not the storage admin. It's the uh, application owner or the business unit. This is a guy who doesn't have deep storage admin skills, but you know he does know how to mount an NFS export. He, he or she knows their application uh, extremely well. It really doesn't know storage other than, hey, I just need a little bit of NFS or, or I need some SIFs or I need some block. And that's really who we're targeting here. So they don't have to know the inner workings of ONTAP. They don't have to be a storage admin to consume the storage. So that's kind of the, the differentiation between those three services. So yeah, I would also say uh, I would also say that NPS is multi-cloud capable, whereas like the NFS as a service and ONTAP Cloud are tied to to the clouds that are, they run out of. Gotcha. And if I'm an application developer, right, where as you said, I, I I'm less concerned about the infrastructure, right? I, I don't care what hypervisor my VMs are running on if I'm using Amazon or Azure or whatever or or, or whatever that happens to be, right? And Along those lines, right, I don't really care where my storage is coming from necessarily. So if I just want to consume NFS, if let's use the example of Amazon. What's the difference between using this NFS as a service from NetApp versus the Amazon Elastic File Services? Well, remember, we're still NetApp, and we have our value-add features, mainly our snapshots. And our we also do multi-protocol. We have snapshots. Uh, we have cloning soon to come. Uh, uh, we have cloning in ONTAP, but we have cloning soon to come in the service. And uh, those are really the kinds of value adds that you get over something like EFS. If you get EFS today, there are no snapshots. 
EFS today is tied to one protocol, which is the NFS v4.1, which probably isn't the most popular NFS protocol out there today. In our world, the, you know, for NFS AAS at GA, we'll be doing all three flavors of NFS, NFS v3, NFS v4, NFS v4.1. You'll have snapshots, and our roadmap has other, other NetApp features as we uh, automate and productize and orchestrate them and bring them into the service. You'll be seeing the other NetApp features, such as cloning, show up in the service as well. I was just going to say that the um, I think the performance characteristics of um, NFS as a service versus what you see in EFS also um, I think that what you'll see is um, a, 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 we'll be able to support a greater um, number of workloads and characteristics. Um, EFS kind of has a, you know, if, you, if you're streaming, you know, kind of streaming data, that kind of stuff, um, that's where EFS kind of works better. Um, but like a, a transactional workload, let's say Oracle or um, MySQL or something like that may not work as well. So it, w- it was kind of a leading question, right? And where I was going with that is, well, exactly your first statement, John, which is, you know, we're, we're still NetApp, which means that underneath the covers, it's running on tap, which means that we have all of that on tap functionality. And I, I didn't know if maybe there was a use case that you had in mind as this is being designed and, and implemented around, you know, yeah, from an, a, a, you know, policy or a management uh, perspective, it's, hey, use this NFS as a service. On the back end, right, that infrastructure guy that's maybe on-prem is saying, yeah, I know that that's NetApp on the back end, and I'm going to be able to do stuff with that data that I couldn't do with other offerings, right? Even though it's in Amazon or it's in Azure, it's managed through their NFS as a service, I really know that it's on tap and I can do some pretty cool stuff with it. Yeah, and uh, you know, obviously, in the first release, we were not exposing every single feature of ONTAP, but with each subsequent release, we'll expose more and more as we productize it. Uh, in the beginning, as I mentioned, you'll get you'll get multi-protocol, you'll get high performance. The backend splash, uh, I don't know. Well, I guess it's probably okay. The, we actually use our standard uh, AFF AFF uh, 700s is the filer model that we use on the back end. So you're, you're getting some very high-performance storage. And then uh, we also, in our first iteration, uh, have snapshots by GA. We'll be adding some other features uh, that the NetApp administrator would be familiar with. Yeah, the, what John is talking about there is mainly more around the AWS version of the service. Now, for the Azure service, it's, it, the way it's consumed is a lot different. So how is it? Uh, mainly, how is it different? But, yep. Oh, um, so essentially, with the Azure version of the service, it's an Azure service, not a NetApp service. For one, the consumption, the billing, all happens through Microsoft Azure. Um, we have built the native integration between ONTAP and our on our backend um, orchestration management engines uh, with the Azure portal. So. If a customer wanted to use an Microsoft Azure customer wanted to have uh, or needed NFS services, um, they would um, go to the Azure portal. Uh, they would, you know, essentially click on the NFS uh, storage blade and 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 provision their provision an NFS export. It's purely native. Where in the in the AWS offering, 
it would be more of a of what you would see be a, a, a you know either a marketplace or a sales portal run by NetApp. So it'd be a NetApp branded service in in AWS and 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 possibly even Google. Uh, but the Azure one is a pure um, Azure branded service with a little yep. bit of powered by NetApp kind of marketing thrown in there. That, that's a good point, Mark. There are differences between the services. Mark mentioned the uh, Azure service. There's direct integration into the Azure portal, and Mark is the lead on the Azure service, so that's, he definitely knows it inside and out. I, I myself lead the AWS service, and that's what uh, uh, Mark was alluding to when he said I was talking about AWS, and that is correct. We have marketplace integration. You'll be able to go to the AWS marketplace. You'll be able to select it. Um, It'll point you to uh, a portal, sign you up, get you onboarded, uh, and from that portal, you'll you'll have a management portal that's not directly integrated into the AWS console, but you will be able to manage your storage, uh, you know, create shares, give permissions, uh, do snapshots, manage your schedule, your export policies, and so forth. Um, the metering and billing will feed back up into the AWS marketplace, and you will actually get one bill from AWS that includes your NetApp consumption plus all the other things you bought from AWS. So I think one thing that has been kind of uh, under, that needs to be underscored is that you know, you're getting the performance of an A700S at a fraction of the cost, right? You're not having to go out and buy a giant platform. You're able to just, you no, know, that's not. right? You get to go just yeah. provision some storage and use it, and you get all that shiny newness that you wouldn't normally get. That's if you, you know, and, and it's really targeted for a, a variety of use cases, right? And anywhere from mom and pop shops that just want to stand up some storage in the cloud to, you know, enterprise environments that want to do an application workload on it. When we built the service, we kind of uh, we were thinking, well, who would use this and what applications would run on this? Uh, clearly, d- uh, transactional databases that traditionally run on NFS stood out, and that was one of the reasons for choosing NFS first and for choosing the version of NFS v3 that we chose and that it's the most widely deployed version of NFS out there. And you could run things like Oracle or, or in the Azure world, uh, Microsoft SQL on Linux with an NFS mount to this service. We also looked at some of the big data apps, the transcoding apps, the uh, high-performance computing apps, and so forth, that in today's on-prem world leverage NFS. So we're not making you uh, wait for the new cloudier version of your application. You're you're able to use that application in the cloud with a traditional NFS just like you do today on-prem. Right. You've heard of the NFS connector for Hadoop, right? so the uh, the folks that uh, on that team are building a essentially a a plugin that allows customers to either uh, you know roll their own Hadoop clusters with Azure and then be able to plug these plug that in. So it makes it really easy to 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 simplify the the consumption of the service um, you know with big data. So big data analytics was we felt like data scientists who don't know much about infrastructure at all would benefit greatly from this kind of service. Um, we also thought about the uh, the EDA applications such as like Synopsys and Cadence, you know, people who do chip design on, uh, on you know, in a data center now, you know, hey, now we, they can do maybe chip, chip design uh, on NFS in the cloud and get better performance at a better cost point. So these are, these are, uh, 
other use cases that we thought about. So on the EDA front, um, we do NFS V3. Are we looking at uh, vetting flex group volumes? Because that's kind of like the EDA sweet spot. And I, yeah, Andrew's laughing because well, I always find a way to work yeah, flex groups so, in. Yeah, that's <laughs> a roadmap. Yeah, no, that's a future. we want to we include flex groups um, as part of the service uh, for, for all the clouds that we offer this service. Yeah, so one, in, in building this service, we had to make some decisions. You know, we had to kind of triage features and say, which ones are most important first? Because if we were to try and engineer in every single feature that ONTAP offers, we wouldn't be releasing the service for 10 years. So we started with a very simple, basic set of features, and the rest were uh, prioritized and put onto a roadmap. So other ONTAP features will be following. Flex Groups is one of them. Um, it's not in the first release, but it, it is on the roadmap. Yeah, other other features like that are on the roadmap, such as um, encryption at rest um, and other things. So we want to be we want to make it easy for customers to bring their own keys or have their own key manager. And so um, so we want to you know so that's that's a roadmap item that we we want to want to be able to offer. Um, other things such as like um, snap vaulting um, or archiving a copy to another region, those kind of things are also roadmap items. Okay, sounds good. So, you know, it sounds like we're trying to aim for feature parity down the road, but right now we want to release something that people can actually start kicking the tires on. We had to release something in a reasonable time frame so we couldn't include every feature in V1. Yeah, so we wanted so some of these features, although are available to customers today, they don't they're not really offered in a way that's multi-tenant or easily um, uh, offered in a multi-tenant way that that allowed us to to basically monetize it effectively. So um, so essentially, you know, the the, the first out, out of the gate, you know, it's going to be snapshots and and um, in, in NFS, you know, the three versions of NFS. So we, you know, and then what's great about the cloud is that you can keep adding features uh, as, as, as the engineering catches up with, with what, what our customers want. And, and because we're customer-centric on the service, you know, we're going to expose new features as, you know, we hear from our customers what they want to see. Um, and because we're not targeting specifically at the storage administrator, um, we think that we're going to hear some very interesting uh, requests from our customers who would normally not interact with us um, directly. So I think that it's going to be a, a really good opportunity for us to hear uh, uh, outside the traditional customers that we've targeted with, with, our, with our engineered system cells. So what, what kind of requests are you... Are you, are you expecting or do you think are going to come out of that? Because I think you're right, and we see the same thing on my side of the house of applications teams think about things like, well, storage and the network and compute resources completely differently than an infrastructure team does. I, I think the area is around automation. So the things that we've heard so far uh, from our preview customers are like, okay, well, we have like Terraform, support for Terraform. Uh, we have support for Chef and Puppet. Um, so customers have their own, um, you know, orchestration frameworks um, or or uh, CI/CD frameworks that they use. They want the service to plug into that. That's been some of the the main main asks. And then from from financial customers or customers who are requiring uh, have not a compliance um, 
the the encryption at rest and and they're being able to bring their own keys and manage their own keys. So what sort of interest level have we been seeing for this? I mean, are customers pretty excited about this? I mean, are they chomping at the bit to get to it? What are you seeing out there in the field? So let's start with the AWS stuff. So, John, what sort of interest are you seeing on that end? Well, I know that I don't know the exact numbers, but I do know that AWS reinvent this year. There was very, very heavy booth presence, and we had a record number of uh, badge scams and interest and questionnaires and, and people asking about service and where to sign up. Um, that we normally don't see that kind of traffic at the NetApp booth and uh, at the reinvent uh, event. It was uh, a lot of uh, buzz going about it. Of course, this is after the Azure announcement went out at uh, Ignite. Um, so I think it was kind of expected that it was going to come, and it was certainly a lot of excitement around it. And, and Mark, what about Azure? How's that looking? Oh, it's looking really well. Um, the you know the uh, like John said, you know the interest that was sparked because Ignite happened before reInvent this year, and so we we've gotten a, a quite a lot of uh, messaging out there, a lot of awareness already, um, and we're looking at hundreds of of customers who have, have reached out to us, um, and some of them NetApp customers, some of them brand new customers who have demonstrated uh, an interest in wanting to try it out and see if they see if it works for them. So you mentioned they, you know, they're interested in trying it out. How would they go about that? So if you go to cloud.netup.com, the customer wants to do that. Um, they're up in the upper part of the screen. Um, there's a link for Azure NFS as a service and a NFS hybrid for AWS. And each of those each of those links will take you to a register for preview link where a customer can put in their name and and basically we will. You know, your first name, your last name, your company, who you are, you know, what, what you want to use it for, and then you hit submit, and then and then we basically get in touch with you if, if it's a fit. Easy okay. peasy. Easy peasy. All right, so let's talk about dates. Um, what do we expect to see this available for the general public? And, you know, how long is this preview lasting? I'll preface it by saying all dates are subject to change, but we're looking um, at the end of end of March for when the public preview service will start uh, in Azure, okay? And even if you, uh, even though I know it's not March now, but, or close to March, but if you sign up for your, if you request a preview, you, you get put on the list and, and then we can add that. And then once the preview um, is announced by Microsoft, um, there'll be a formal page on the Microsoft website where you can also um, request to participate in the preview. And then, John, what, what dates uh, do you got for, yeah, the for, for the AWS? Yeah, Mark, for AWS, our goal is currency. <laughs> so we are also looking at March. Yeah. Um, of course, the, the request to join the preview uh, would come through cloud.netapp.com. And uh, because we don't have that Portal in a direct port native portal integration that you do in Azure, but you'd go through cloud.netup.com. You'd sign up for the preview. If you if you get approved for the preview, you'll be given instructions on how to join, which is basically being whitelisted into the the marketplace offering, and uh, be able to participate in the preview. And as I mentioned, our goal is currency. We don't favor one particular cloud over another. We uh, we uh, work with them all. When you say currency, you mean like current or like actual money? 
current, like at the same time. Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, our goal is currency. Yes. Yeah. Well, our goal is always right. currency, but it isn't everyone. I like to make money. Yeah. People are in business to do that. Yeah. This is true. Okay. This is true. Absolutely. And I mean, it fits really because I mean, we don't care, right? Use any cloud you want. That's the whole goal of this. Um, as long as you you've got that delicious currency. <laughs> So I did want to bring up one thing that happened in recent events, um, and we can cut this if you want to cut this, but I want to talk about Avere and uh, the Microsoft acquisition because there was a lot of chatter on the DLs, and I thought it was sure. kind of unnecessary chatter. Um, people were kind of getting in a tizzy about it, but let's talk about the Microsoft acquisition of Avere. Um, so if you're not familiar with Avere, they're kind of like an acceleration platform that helps with they help with NAS workloads. And the concern was that Microsoft acquiring Avere would somehow cut into the NFS as a service piece in Azure. My take is that it's actually a good thing for uh, NFS as a service because it'll help the performance and it's actually going to enhance what the offering is. So what is your take on that, Mark? The way I've, it's been communicated to um, to me and John uh, from Anthony Lai, who's the GM of the Cloud Data Services Business Unit, is that Microsoft has purchased Devere for their technology to um, from the caching perspective. Uh, they felt like there was uh, there was some interesting technology there that would help them in hybrid cloud use cases, and that it's a complementary uh, acquisition to our service and not uh, competitive. And so uh, we should we should view this. Our customers and our partners and our NetApp field folks should should view the the acquisition as a good thing. It reinforces the that Microsoft is doubling down on on our our technology, our service, by going out and buying more services that will lay on top of our, our NFS service. So it's a it's a good thing. Yeah, that was kind yeah, of my, my take as well. Go ahead, John. The interesting point about it is Avere has two, has basically two things. They have a caching appliance and they have a software version. We've partnered with them forever on the caching appliance. Um, I don't expect that to change. I don't think anybody expects that to change. I, I don't think we touched on what powers this whole orchestration piece. So could you go into a little bit of detail about that? Um, is it the green cloud acquisition, that sort of thing? So can you just kind of touch on that a little bit? First of all, I'd like to welcome aboard our colleagues in Iceland uh, that came from the green cloud acquisition. They're now called NetApp Iceland. Uh, we, we actually have a presence there now. And their product, uh, which was formerly known as QStack, is now the NetApp Cloud Orchestrator. And the NetApp Cloud Orchestrator is the tool we use behind the scenes to make the service happen. It does all of the orchestration and automation, along with some plugins and pieces. Uh, Mark can explain that there were some additional pieces that were needed for Azure and that direct portal integration. From the AWS standpoint, it was the uh, building of the of the interface, the UI, to uh, provision your provision your exports. What's really great about it, it's just not just a, a web front end. It actually has a rich set of APIs. Um, so that allows us to integrate directly with an Azure portal. Um, and and then from a, a consumability or, or end customer consumption of, of the of the NFS service, um, the orchestration technology that we have here allows customers to manage their Remember how we talked about that integration with Terraform and Chef and Puppet and or maybe direct API uh, integration with custom applications. We're able to we're able to expose that um, 
you know, the, 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 the NetApp services uh, via the, this API. So um, in the AWS, uh, you know, uh, what John's working on and on the Azure side, that, that richness of API allows us to have na uh, native integration with the Azure portal. And that really helps with regards to um, customers not having to rip and replace their tool sets or use different tool sets or different IDEs. They can just use their native tool sets that they use today to manage their environment, to operate their environment, to do, to do software development. Um, so if you're doing software development in Azure, you're, it's .NET, and, it, and you know, you'll be able to provision that storage you know, using .NET APIs, you know, via the Azure, via Azure, and the AWS side of things, um, you know, customers will have RESTful interfaces that they will be able to to call to um, to provision the, you know, an NFS export or change an export rule or set a snap, create a snapshot or set a snapshot policy. Those those are the things that that we want to make it easy for customers to do in a scalable, deterministic, and cost-effective way. Yeah, actually, I'm a little bit jealous of, the, of you over there on the Azure side, Mark. The direct integration into the Azure portal is beautiful. If you've ever, if you ever been doing anything mm -hmm. in Azure through the portal, you realize you can do it through the portal, you can do it through PowerShell, you can do it through API calls. But by being directly integrated in, that's basically you're just an extension of the Azure portal. If, if you're a UI guy, and you're doing things, you never have to leave the Azure portal to do anything. Whereas on the AWS side, you've got to kind of skip out to this other interface um, and this other set of APIs today. Maybe the AWS guys will get jealous and, and go the route of the Azure guys. That'd be great. Okay, sounds like we have a really robust uh, solution already, even though it's in the first version. Um, it'll only get better as we add feature sets. So, uh, Mark, if we wanted to get in touch with yeah. somebody centrally, to talk about cloudy mm -hmm. things or infrastructure as a service, who would we reach out to? Ingo Fuchs would be the, from a marketing perspective, Ingo would be um, where you would want to go from a, if you're a field person and want to know more about the service and how it's being positioned, uh, Ingo would be uh, a great starting point. As always, if you're a partner or a customer listening to this, uh, uh, or uh, in NetApp internal employee, and if you don't want to talk to Ingo, you can talk to me, and I'll be more than glad to help you uh, answer any questions you may have about the service. John, do you have Ingo's contact information we can broadcast here, kind of like writing on the bathroom wall? I don't think I want to put his email address out. <laughs> for, for a good cloud, call Ingo. Yeah, for a good cloud calling, go, no, but what I would do is I would say start at cloud.netapp.com. Yeah, that's a good place uh, to go. Go ahead, and, go ahead and sign up in the portal, and then there then there's a contact us page, and you can just send your questions in there, and they'll get to Ingo. All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us today, talking to us about infrastructure as a service. Um, be looking forward to hearing more about it and seeing the – I guess oh, I wouldn't even call it a soft release, public release uh, in March, hopefully, uh, subject to change, of course, um, as all things are. Uh, Mark, John, thanks so much for joining us today. Again, Mark, if we wanted to get in touch with you on social media, how do we do that? Uh, Twitter, Mark underscore Beaupre, uh, M-A-R-K underscore B-E-A-U-P-R-E. -E. All right. Um, and, you can find me out there. And John doesn't want to divulge any sort of social media, so we're not going to make him do that. Low. 
He's on the down low. That's right. He's on the down low. He, he's on the down no, low. I think I think I was using it. Remember when I had that old thirty forty that would send out the automated tweets? And I don't yeah, want I to get that. people confused by that. So oh, like Ro- Robo John. Yeah, it yeah. would just say like, "Well, my workload is blah blah blah," or "I'm sitting here idling at one percent CPU and doing nothing," and it would just like every five minutes put out these tweets. Man, that sounds excruciating. Full bot. It was all automated. <laughs> All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techontappodcast.com. If you'd like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap, po- uh, Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Mark Beaupre and John Fulbright for joining us today talking about that sweet, sweet currency. As always, thanks for listening. So I think we should all agree to not warn Ingo that he's going to get an influx of emails. (laughs) Ingo is fuchsed. (laughs) And Ingo, sorry in advance. I'm not sorry. Not sorry. No, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Ingo likes getting emails. (laughs) Makes him feel special. Does that say something about marketing? Something, something, marketing.